Welcome to Real Estate Society, the podcast where I'm interested in faith, leadership, and well-being to inspire change in the world. I am the Reverend Dr. Wayne Cradle Jr., and I am so grateful to have you as my listener. I have a special guest. She is a mother. She is a wife, a minister, an author, a scholar, a writer, a healer, and a theologian. She holds her Masters of Divinity from Duke Divinity School. She has a Masters also uh, in Public Communication from Syracuse University and she has a PhD in Advanced Communication from UNC Chapel Hill. She is author of Love, Memory, A Memoir, and A Practice. I am so grateful to bring to this podcast, the Reverend Dr. Fatima Saleh. Welcome Thank to the podcast. Thank you, Wade, Reverend Dr. Fatima. Oh, <laughs> I have enjoyed doing these intros. I am blessed to really know some really great people like yourself. And so my first question to you is, how do we know each other and how did we meet? So we met at Duke Divinity School, and um, my one of my greatest memories of you has always been, first of all, that you dress so amazing. But anyway, your style is just beautiful. So I, I dress for Jesus. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> and um, you took me aside pretty early my first year when I still didn't know if this was a good decision. To, you know, I was 40, uh, 38, 39, right in that area of my life. And I was back to school after a doctorate, after thousands and thousands of dollars of student debt, get this doctorate. After getting my doctorate, getting my MDiv. And you came up to me one day, you're like, I had a dream or a vision about you. And I'm like, me? And you're like, yes, you. And you were dressed in white. And, um, and I said, oh, that, I know that was a dream because I hardly ever dressed in white after all these kids. Uh, ain't nothing stay clean. And you and you said, and the Lord's counsel to you is wherever you go, pack your bags, go and take your family with you. Oh, uh, they sheltered. You sure did. And um, I want to say that that was one of the most seminal moments of my first year is having you really bless my life with what you saw for me when I really couldn't see what God would have for me um, in that place and time. So, and I held to what you said those whole three years and still to this day, I remember it clearly. And uh, when I, when you, I, and I don't think I thanked you enough for one of the real grounding moments for me in a very, very wild and unsteady journey of Div School. Mm. That, you know, you, you already messed me up. We just got started. Uh, but I, I, I appreciate those words because as much as you were, as much as I encouraged you, you encouraged me. We encouraged each other. And I remember you walking around being like, looking like, what am I doing here? What yep. am I doing? 
<laughs> you were going through life. I mean, we're all going through life. Yes, um, but I'm struggling. But you stop showing up. You stay there and listen, not the Fatima is the real deal, for real. You stay there and you made yourself, God made you, but you made your, you made yourself worthy to be heard. And you became a voice in that place, in that space. Um, you became a force to, to be reckoned with, not only uh, in this school, but even in North Carolina. Um, and you became very much a voice that was crying out, even in the midst of wilderness situation. And you made it so that, uh, and really, I guess God curated you in such a way that people were uh, forced to listen and hear and to rethink, reshape, and, and to reimagine. And so thank you for your voice. Thank you for continuing to show up. And this is what it means to be a leader. In the meantime, it's difficult. It sounds cute when, when we read it in a book. Mm. It's one thing to actually walk leadership epic. And you did so. And you continue to do so. And so I'm so proud of you. I don't say that to be funny. I say that because it's real. You know me. And to see what, how, the ways that you have continued to climb and to see the ways that people have continued to call you for different opportunities. If you think they're calling you now, you just wait and see. I'm going to stop. But you just wait and see. So, oh, okay. <laughs> Well, once again, Wayne, touching my heart, making me cry. You started it. I just... <laughs> so let, let me ask you this. I know I typically ask all of my guests four questions. Um, and these questions all uh, are about connecting, restoring, empowering, and developing. So I already asked you the first question as far as connecting. But my second one is a question of restoring. And my question to you is, what is your mission field and why is it important? What or who is your mission field and why is it or they important? So my, my mission field, I don't know, it shifts. Um, I have to say that. And um, I've got to be open to the wild imagination of the divine when I think of my mission field because just when I think I got it, it's much like motherhood. Just when I think I've got motherhood, something happens and I'm like, oh Lord, no you don't. Um, but I, right now, my my work in the world is that I pastor pastors. Um, I get to walk alongside pastors of very different denominations. Um, um, recently we even, I helped do a retreat for Duke University Hospital chaplains. And there were all different um, beliefs and faiths and denominations. And so, and running from different traditions of belief. So I really, my call is to those, to the caregivers of our soul, you know, um, to the justice workers. Um, so I have a part of my work is also working with activists because um, as far as, I'm concerned, and I think they're not too far off from clergy and pastors, mm-hmm. the amount of dedication they have and the amount of workload, and also the same things that sometimes 
they also um, suffer from or are challenged by in the work that they, they do. So my work is, to, uh, my ministry is really to those who are on the front lines of caregiving and justice work and um, doing God's work. I'm the one who kind of, uh, I say I accompany them um, if they need to fall apart, if faith mm-hmm. break wide open, mm-hmm. um, it's an honor to walk alongside them as mm-hmm. they try to sit back together, as they as to um, to embrace them and let them know that God is still very much present even in the falling apart. Oh, oh, that identifies so much with the places where I have always felt God calling me as well. I think that's why I enjoyed you so much. Um, full year in the caregiver. And uh, many times, and, and I, I want to ask you a follow-up question, but I believe that this is so necessary because it is so rare uh, to hear people even discuss what it means to pour out to those who are pouring out. Um, to pour out to the ones who are constantly influenced of themselves. My question to you is, why do you believe, especially in this moment, that that is such an important work to do? I don't want to place any exaggerated importance in what I do. I, I don't know if what I do or is the people I serve are the important is uh, the important part of the work. And I think, I always say that I, I have the best job in the world because I get to work with some of the most amazing people in the world. Um, it becomes for me that I, as I've traveled and journeyed alongside these amazing humans, I have realized how much God loves them just how anointed they are how much God watches over them cares about them um here's even the prayers the prayers that they have not found words for yet um and so I think for me it's I realized the importance I always say that the people I serve are some of God's favorites. <laughs> and and I say that because at one point, a clergy member had come up to my mind and I'd taken my time getting to her, Pastor. When I got to her and said, hey, you've been on my heart, which now I've, I've coined the term when God puts people on my heart in my atmosphere, I call it divine dispatch. But in a way, I, I came to her and it was about two months and we, um, from when I was inspired and they kept nudging me, I, I say that the Holy Spirit can be a good nagger. Mm-hmm. Just nag, nag, nag until you get it. And when I visited her, it was wonderful. And I got back from the visit and I'm like, I'm so glad I visited her. And the, and I was in a parking lot. I even know exactly what parking stall in Durham Co-op. And the Spirit said, you're late. Mm-hmm. You were late. I sent you to her months ago. Do not do this again. Wow. And even though I felt like it was a good visit, not that it wasn't a good visit, and we had, you know, 
but I could feel the rebuke in that. I could feel the chastisement of like, these are my beloved. And you are just, you trifling. You, you're playing around with the time on my beloved. And when I send you someone, I send you a name, I need you to get up, I need you to get on the phone, get in your car, do what you gotta do, and you get to where I've asked you to be. Lord. And that happened early on when I started doing this work. And so now you don't have to tell me twice. It was such a, <laughs> it was such a chest acting. I was crying in this Durham co-op, bawling my eyes out snack, because I could feel God's disappointment in me. And I thought I'd done, and I did do what God asked, but I was, God was not happy with my tardiness. I hear back. I hear the rat. What does it mean, given that whole piece about God not being happy with our partiness? What, is, what does it mean for us to not only show up at certain spaces, but to show up on time or really in time? I, you know, I recently gave a so sermon because the study of time and timekeeping is horology, H-O-R-O-L-O-G-Y. I just learned this. But I believe in a holy horology. Like there is a sense in which we have to keep time and the time of God. Like there is like a soul time, a time where God, we're on the clock of God. And, um, and it supersedes. And I say we have love time, we have um, dissertation time, like where things, like, like where it's dissertation time, I say is one of the most stressful because it seems like it goes on forever and you don't get far enough. And um, so I've named certain pieces of time because I felt like time took on a new meaning for me in the era. It wasn't like the Roman calendar. Yeah. Uh, it was something very different. And so I think that God very much, at least with my call in life, that God cares about if I'm in tune with God's time. And I need to make sure that I'm not rotating in the imagination of men's time Mm -hmm. in this Mm -hmm. work. Love that, love that. Another question for you. I find that for, for those who and I'm going to use the word apostolically. For those who minister in ways that you do, which I say apostolically, meaning that you are uh, nurturing those who will go, those who do go. How does a person who may be doing work similar to what you're doing, what strategies would you give to make sure that individuals like you are also getting pouring into um, I really and I, I touched on this a little bit in my book but I have a really great love circle my love circle is just filled with some and they're atheists they're agnostics they're trans they're mm-hmm. uh, 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 black they're white they're you know um, they're Asian um, I, I have this amazing love circle that continues to accompany me in ways, oh, and they also will fight hard for me when yeah. I feel like I can't fight for myself. I'm in the love circle, by the way. Yes. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> you are. I you definitely are. Um, and I, I treasure them because sometimes I forget myself, and I don't. Um, and when I forget, they'll reflect me back to myself in ways that reminds me to take good care of myself. Um, I really do have to say my anger bearers in my love circle, some of my greatest people, they will be angry on my behalf and and, and take on some of that for me. And it allows me to breathe deeper because they're like, what, who do I need? What, what do I need to do? And my husband is one of them. (laughs) And it is cathartic to have people who will be angry for you. Um, and that, I think my love circle is one of my biggest ways of taking good care of myself. Um, they love me beautifully. And they also ask me to see myself and see my need. Uh, and sometimes I can't even see my need. Because if you've been working, sometimes I notice with a lot of us who do this work often, sometimes like, well, what do you need? People ask what you need. And we don't even know. We're so tired, we don't know. Yeah. And I depend on people who love me and who have journeyed with me and I trust to be like, you know what you need (laughs) that you don't even know. So. I love that. How do you feel a love circle? Oh, I say love circle. I um, actually have prayed consciously, you know, a long time ago, I heard the boys talking, my, 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 my boys are all of my kids are basketball fans, but they were talking about this era of the Spurs, San Antonio Spurs, where they were really good. And they're like, you know what? They had a deep bench. And I said, What's a deep bench? They're like, Well, your second string is as good as your first. And I prayed from then, I said, Lord, give me a deep love bench. That's a word. Give me because not everyone can be everything for me all the time. Nor yeah. is that fair, nor is that what I not not what I know you want me to, to do in relationship. Mm-hmm. And so I allowed myself, I allowed God to blow my mind. Much wow. like how I think Ruth and Naomi. Who would think that Ruth would be with Naomi? Like this Moabite woman. And so I always say it's the Ruth quotient. It's the people mm-hmm. you think, maybe, who wouldn't love you. Who mm-hmm. wouldn't go the distance with you. And you let God show God's people to you. Mm-hmm. And you let God break down who you thought could love you. And so I think for a long time, I asked God for a deep love bench that I would be able to see in the wild imagination of the divine who could love me and who I could love well. I love that because I wonder when we pray for that love bench, does it also mean having the space to grieve with people when God has to remove people from that bench or bench people from that bench who we just knew were supposed to be there or were called to be there, they were on our list or they were on our list for a particular season and they have done well, but God says for this season, they cannot continue. Yes. And I totally believe that the love circle can expand and conflate and changes. And that I think we also get to do holy release with those who have gone, like 
we get to say thank you so much for being in that season with me. And so amazing. And as you move on, and maybe we can't move into the next season, I'm grateful for what you, who you were for me in this season. And I bless you on your way. And that has allowed me to have also transition and movement in my love circle, both the grief and the blessing and the releases. And I think as people of faith, I don't think we, I don't know if we have enough practices around releasing folk and, and doing it in ways in which is, has integrity and holiness to it. Not everybody's could go all the way with you and it's okay. There's not even churches that, I, that are, you go to this church and, and maybe by the time you're 30 or 40, it's not the church for you anymore. Mm-hmm. We got to leave it and like wipe the dust off our feet. No, 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 no. We can say, thank you for being a good church for me when it was when I needed it. Yeah. And, and, and it's not now. I don't need mm-hmm. this now, but thank you and the level of gratitude. And I bless this church mm. as I move on to the next and find, you know, what, what is what church is calling me now, or what relationships are calling me now? Mm-hmm. It's both grief and a gratitude, as you know, they go almost hand in hand many times. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a there's like a holy release, blessing, mm-hmm. blessing folk and people on their way. Mm-hmm. I love that we're talking about connecting, restoring. I have another question, empowering. Who? And, and this question, you might want to get a tissue for because I know you. Yeah. <laughs> Who or what is being laid new through your word? And I ask that not from the standpoint of who will be uh, made new, but who is being uh, or what is being made new through your word. And as it is so much a question, it is a compliment, meaning that there is a what, and there is a there is a what, meaning that there is a system and there are structures being made, but there are also people being made through your work. Who or what is being made through your work? You know, you handed me an interview guide and you told me, <laughs> you know, that's, I. I still don't know. This question is so powerful. I think I'm being made new all the time. I don't know so much if I can testify for other folk, but I can testify for myself. As I... uh, I'm not who I was yesterday. Mm-hmm. I'm not who I was yesteryear. Mm-hmm. And I think my journey with the divine, I, first, I think I know I'm being made new in some ways because I realized I was wrong about a lot of stuff, Wayne. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had to hold my faith now very tenderly or the truths that I, I hold, I have to, hold them in a way that allows them to change and grow and you know a a while ago I had you know while I was in deep school I had a miscarriage too and one thing I realized is that something could be living and growing in you 
one moment and have life and then could no longer be living. And as something in you that was living that isn't anymore, it starts to deplete you of your life as it is dead. So I started thinking about the sort of miscarriages of doctrines and beliefs I've had that were alive once and maybe had a heartbeat and then they stopped and to hold on to them what would endanger me and my life and so for me I think I've had to let go of things that were no longer living and uh that has asked me to embrace something new. It has asked me to look at things anew. It has asked me to love in newer and deeper ways. It has asked me to expand my vision and uh, allow my faith to crack wide open and rebuild oh. itself. Oh. Mm-hmm. And I think that is that not the true definition of growth, uh, of grace, anything, in the cracking, in the breaking? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Connecting, restoring, empowering, developing. What projects in 2024 are you working on? Um, and what opportunity can we be aware of? Uh, well, I- Wayne, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to make it through 2023. So you can tell, you know, you got limited vision, Fatima. I sure do. Um, I think the biggest part for me was writing my book and then the accompanying workbook, Love Memory, where I talk about my love circle, where I talk about I took a holy hush um, from um, because I didn't. I was preaching a lot. Um, and then I decided when at one time I was preaching that I didn't know if I believed what I was saying anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I took a holy hush in which I stopped preaching and teaching for a while just to re reacquaint myself with the divine. And mm-hmm. so I wanted to be quiet mm-hmm. and I wanted the preacher of preachers to preach to me every day. Mm-hmm. To give me a sermon every day. Um, I wanted my prayers not to dictate my conversations with God, but I wanted God to start the conversation. Mm. And I was tired of dictating. I felt like my prayers were always guiding and leading God to what I wanted or what I needed or what I needed God to do. And I was going to relinquish that. In my holy hush, I relinquished that. I said, what conversation do you want to have with me today, God? Mm. What shall we see? Who am I as a believer now? Who are you to me? And I see that I have a God of my now. (laughs) Like, who's the God of my now? Um, And so what I'm expecting, one thing I've let go of a lot is just my ability to, I've always had plans for myself, and I realize they rarely coincide with what God has in store for me. So I've decided to let go of a lot of my own, uh, even my own ideas of what would make me happy. 
Um, because I could have, I could have told you that being a full-time professor, having tenure, working in the academy would would make me happy. But never could I have imagined being a pastor to pastors and mm-hmm. the company would a job that a, a profession almost doesn't have a name almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get mm-hmm. to do this, and I so for 2024, I expect God to continue doing what God has always done. And that is to blow up a lot of what I uh, think I'm going to do. But I will find joy unprecedented. That is awesome. Wow. So just my book is out. I'm going to do a book. I'll probably write another book um, next year on our stories as as scripture. Um. And still be a mom running around after four kids and acting oh. like I don't know what I'm doing. Okay, okay. By the way, that book is on Amazon. Yes. Yes. And yes, yeah. you can order it through your bookstores too. Awesome, awesome. How can we keep in touch with you? And also, give us the name of your organization. So, my name of my organization is Kura Napi, C U R A N O P Y, combination of. Kura in Latin and in Spanish, which means to care, and a shortened version of canopy, so to cover and care for people. Um, Kuranapi. And you can find me at the Kuranapi website, www.kuranapi.org. Um, I'm always willing, there's a place on there to contact me and anything like that if you want to talk with me and get in touch with my organization. I mostly stay pretty hidden and quiet. My um, assistant director was always telling me, in our year evaluation, she's like, can you please try and get more on social media and try and advertise and do something? Why you release a book and ain't hardly nobody know? Like you just, <laughs> so I, I think it frustrates the people I love that I'm pretty, um, I'm pretty private still, even in the work I do. So uh, I'm just excited for what God continues to do and I get to witness. I think it's such a beautiful testimony to me, like Wayne, that I've gotten to be a beautiful witness to your story. That feels like something deeply sacred and I get to move and see your holy text that is your life erupt. And that feels nothing short of a beautiful witness for me. Um, So in 2024, I hope to continue witnessing beautiful things as a holy text erupts in the lives of those I love. Well, my prayer for you and my prayer for my listeners is that you would erupt uh, Dr. Fatima's uh, communication and blow her up as far as event, as far as booking her. You know that if you and then if you enjoyed this episode and you know that you need uh, someone to help you to process, someone to help your team to process, if you know that your organization needs a book to read, you need to contact Dr. Fatima ASAP, get her on your calendar um, so that she can continue to have your conversations and that you may be blessed. And so Dr. Fatima, I am so grateful to have you here. Thank you again. And as always, we say, please follow Minister to Society anywhere that podcasts are streamed. 
I pray that you would laugh harder, learn wiser, and lead better. Always shit with your fear. And thank you for listening. This is my part. Yeah.